What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Years ago, H.G. Wells visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies. And today they're a reality. You're listening to The Afternoon Commute. Welcome to the Afternoon Commute with Chris Kendall and John Adams. Today is 11-11-17. If you'd like to hear previous episodes of the Afternoon Commute, go to hoaxbusterscall.com and you'll see those posted up there alongside the most recent episode of Chris's Monday Night Broadcast, the original Hoaxbusters Call. Also posted up there are various articles and videos. Some of those are original in nature, so make sure you check those out for any and all things Hoaxbusters, go to hoaxbusterscall.com today. Mr. Kendall, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Yeah, just into DLT, DLST. Yeah, well, apparently there's a movement to get rid of it. I would entirely. think, yeah, it's like about time. <clears throat> it is. L- literally about it is about time yeah it's it's uh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i would hope that it it succeeds is there a petition to sign somewhere or something i don't know i'll go sign this, right this would be an or this would be an organiz an organization you would join the soros <laughs> group or something yeah is there yeah is there a um is there a uh I, you know instead of, instead of black lives matter it's like yeah, S- sleep matters. I don't know what. Yeah, I can't think of a good, funny euphemism for it. Would be like the only organization I've ever joined in my life. Right. My sleep matters. Yeah. Well, it does. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. It does rant and rave about it? Very before, important. It does matter? Yeah, I think it's uh, underrated in our modern culture, especially. It's like. You always hear people like bragging about how how little they sleep, and it's like and yeah. sleep when you're dead. Sleep when you're dead. Yeah, <clears throat> party all night. Um, before I forget, let me just uh, mention some. Uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Tim at Fakeologist who sent me a donation. Appreciate that. Uh, listener Brian sent me one too, and so thanks for that. And. Uh, Listener Christian purchased some essential oils. So, uh, yeah, thanks everybody. And um, Christian, uh, hope you enjoyed your essential oils. Thanks again. Yeah, I put the lemon in my water. And uh, so I put two drops in there. It's probably, you don't even really need two drops. Oh, it's like a 32 ounce. So that's a frame of reference. And then. 
I go refill it later and it still tastes like lemon. It's like stays in there, even though I didn't put any in. It's, it's uh, pot potent. Uh, oh yeah, potent. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. I um, I am currently here um, exfoliating with some copaiba oil on my face. So yes, I'm I'm having a spa. I'm having a spa while we're doing the <laughs> while we're doing the call here. Yeah, it's uh, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah, it's uh, exfoliate. You know, it's I'm indulging. The oils are are indulgences. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right, what is exfoliation anyway? I, I, I'm not sure what that is. It's just um, when you're uh, cleaning out your pores. Ah. Uh. I got a gross story if you want to hear that. Okay, sure, yeah. If you stop wearing underarm deodorant, like I did years ago, because I would, I was kind of getting hip to stuff, you know, like oh yeah, you know, maybe maybe regular toothpaste is not so great, because uh, and then you read the label and it's like yeah, if you swallow more than a pea size uh, sized amount, go to the check yourself into the clinic immediately, you know, or kids well you know whatever so you stop using that and then it's find out oh yeah that that deodorant clogs up your pores deodorant so i was like well let me try to stop using that and it was like for a long time i had it coming out of my uh pores of my uh armpits mm -hmm. like old uh coagulated yeah. uh deodorant and it would like Stick to your armpit hairs, and it turn your armpit hairs into like uh, all uh, w weird, man. I don't know. It's just I know. And it and it and then when it it took a long time for it to eventually work itself out. But I was like, man, that, you got a that, lot of room up in your pores, man. Lock. I had a um, I had someone. I won't say who for you know, so I don't embarrass anybody, but um. Yeah, recently had that same story relayed to me by another person. Mm -hmm. And I can corroborate that myself as well because, yeah, when you stop using the poisonous uh, uh, pore-clogging deodorant, because that's how it's – I mean, the, the funny thing about those deodorants is they never worked. I mean, I tried so many different deodorants and – they didn't even work. They didn't, you know, after a while, your body gets used to the, um, it gets used to the chemical configuration of whatever it is. And it just readapts. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the gross part is that I would scrape off the old coagulated deodorant that was coming out of my arms and clung to my armpits and save it in a jar and made a stick of deodorant out of that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I never did that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it just keeps insert, coming out. Keeps coming out. So like, yeah, you got a lot. You, ins really, insert, insert barf sound effect here. <laughs> no, uh, the um, oh, um, a proper definition of exfoliate here from the dictionary. 
is the removal of old skin cells from the surface of the skin. Oh, okay. So that's the proper definition of exfoliate. Um, yeah, so um, anything in particular you have on your mind uh, this evening or um, shall I kick something off? Oh, you go ahead and kick something off, and then it'll probably jog my memory. I had some couple of things that I was like, uh, uh, ruminating what we'll on. Do, yeah, here, here's what we'll do. I'll say, okay, the topic of discussion is this, and then as soon as I go into that topic, I say, okay, Chris, what do you think of that? You go into a totally different topic altogether. Right. I just we'll just uh, <laughs> catapult off into another completely different. Yeah. Okay. That sounds that sounds good. That's pretty standard. Yeah, I so I say um, the topic of discussion tonight is politics. Chris, Chris says, so when you're fishing, what you want to do is you want to <laughs> bait your hook. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see what we got here. Well, um, as you know. Because I was talking to you when I found it, I found a hard copy of the Technological Society by Jacques Ellul. Ah. For 50 cents at the book depot. And, um, yeah, that was pretty killer. Um, considering I've never owned a copy of this, and um, I have checked it out from the library twice. Um, tried to steal it from the library, but didn't succeed. Um, <laughs> but, but we've got some very interesting quotes in here. And um, well, I was going to tell yeah. you, like you, you're supposed to wrap the book in tin foil as you're walking out, so it don't set off the. Uh, sense. Does that work? I, if it were if if it works to shield like your art because they sell like what like shielded wallets and all that right it's basically just some kind of like shielding in hmm. there basically some kind of foil because here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go fill up a book bag with library books and then I'll just like line my backpack with tin foil. Well, then what you do is you get a big reference work, right? And then you take that home and you cut the pages out of it and hollow it out. And then you line that with tinfoil and then there you take you that shopping with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, well, I, I'm going to sound like I'm a shop. I'm not. Or I'm, what you do is, and I was reminded of this by a discussion I was having with listener the, um, Nova Scotian. Or what you do is when you're five years old, you wander into archive libraries unattended and when nobody's looking and you read big, dusty old books. <laughs> do, you, do you get that reference? Uh, no. Okay. Went over my head. So, um, so how did you come into a lot of this? Oh, well, I've been, I've been reading books since I was a wee lad. Um, oh, Alan, when I was small, 
When I was small, I used to wander into libraries and just, you know, go through the archives and read the dusty old books. <laughs> and for the most part, nobody's paying attention to children. They don't really notice. So you, sometimes you can go into, you know, areas where they have these books and nobody notices you're in there reading them, you know. <laughs> He's like four. <laughs> Yeah. That's what he said. That he said that on a on a call, one time. He said that he's that that's you know, he's in there. Um, you know, four years old, kind of like you know, <laughs> four years. Kind of like John Jones reading Nandere Call It Conspiracy at five, and Alan Watts, you know, like reading like, you know, pre Masonic manuscripts from the seventeen hundreds at four. In like Scott in like Scottish archives. <laughs> did did Alex Jones actually say that that he read Nunder Call It Treason when he was uh, five? No, I was over exaggerating. <laughs> but I swear to you, Chris, every time he mentioned it, his age got younger. He did that a bunch of times. I'll probably read Nunder Call It Conspiracy. I'm not kidding, folks. I was about 18. And then the next time he's like, folks, I, 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 I got into this stuff real early. I mean, I probably read None Dare Call It Conspiracy by Gary Allen when I was like 16 years old. And then like, yeah. it was like, I, I'm, I, and then he's like, folks, you know, my parents had a bookshelf, a huge bookshelf with just books all over. I mean, I was reading stuff like Gibbons, Decline, and follow the Roman Empire when I was like 12. <laughs> and then, you know, None Dare Call It Conspiracy was on the bookshelf too. I probably read that about the same time. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I just kept going down in age for him. I just kept saying, you know, eventually, eventually got to yeah. be five. He's like <laughs> five. Right, yeah. <laughs> read, it, read it in a <clears throat> kindergarten. Yeah, you know, some people are, you know, some some children, you know, they, they have little toys and, you know, they teething toys and things like that. Not not me, though. I was I was in the archives reading, reading the book, the dusty old books, the the ones, you know, you know, the type, the ones that the big, the big, big, big boys write. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have heard him say that. I don't know if he said four, but it was pretty young. He said he's reading those books. Yeah, yeah that's pretty, pretty funny. But let's see. The world that technique creates cannot be any other than that which was favorable to it from the very beginning. In spite of all the men of goodwill, all the optimists... All the doers of history, the civilizations of the world are being ringed about with a band of steel. We in the West become familiar with this iron constraint in the 19th century. Now technique is mechanically reproducing it everywhere as necessary to its existence. 
what force could prevent technique from so acting or make it be otherwise than it is. Technique has progressively mastered all the elements of civilization. We have already pointed this out with regard to man's economic and intellectual activities, but man himself is overpowered by technique and becomes its object. That's the key part right there. But man himself is overpowered by technique and becomes its object. The technique, which takes man for its object, thus becomes the center of society. This extraordinary event, which seems to surprise no one, is often designated as technical civilization. Here's the last part. The individual in contact with technique loses his social and community sense and as the frameworks in which he operated dis disintegrate under the influence of techniques. This fact is established beyond question by the disappearance of responsibilities functional autonomies and social spontaneities, the absence of contact between the technical and the human environment, and so and so forth. In the areas of industrial labor, labor, for example, sociologists point out the physical separation between the industrial plant and the social group in which the plant is situated uh, the, in the city, say, say in the city. Uh, traditional societies, the social and economic aspects of life were inextricably meshed into the, a social whole. But in a technical society, the two aspects are strictly separated. This in itself brings about the dissolution of the entire group. Okay. So something that we've touched on before many times, this type of thing, technology... And uh, and how the introduction of it changes society because the technology is introduced without being fully explained. And I think one thing that a lot of people are in current debates over because um, we're seeing a lot of things like like one of the things you posted up on the blog recently was um, – you know, they'll come out with these announcements. Um, they'll announce the end of something. And uh, now they're announcing basically the end of automobiles. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. It's going to be the end of automobiles. It's over with. It's done with. Accept it. Um, how many years have we been hearing it's the end of cash? Mm. Long time. Maybe the last decade and a half. Now, that's not saying that the end of cash isn't going to happen, but it, that's something they've been announcing. What they do is they announce it as the end of something so as to get you acclimated to it. I just pay with cash today at the grocery store. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and dial the authorities right here. <laughs> Oh shoot! I forgot to push my mute button. Um, no, um, but uh, yeah. So sometimes it takes longer. Obviously, when they first started announcing the end of cash, like in the late '90s or 2000s or something, they were saying it as so as to get you acclimated to the idea, even though it wasn't going to happen overnight. 
it's a long process. Um, now, Jacques Ellul is writing this book in 1964. Okay, so in 1964, he's already talking about the integration of, you know, the French word is technique. We call it technology. Um, so the integration of technology into everybody's everyday life and the separation of man from his community, man from his natural surroundings and technology being the middleman, the mediator between the two. <clears throat> that always was the goal. So, um, any sort of debate at this point as to whether technology is good or technology is bad is kind of irrelevant because the purpose was already served. And, and I keep bringing this up, but I think it's an important thing because, um, well, it's an important thing for a lot of reasons, but I keep coming back to this, I guess, for myself, I guess if I have to psychoanalyze myself, is because the more that time passes and, and we move further on and into the future, it seems to be harder and harder to get away from aspects of technology, even if you wanted to. You know, I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, I recently had to sign something, just sign some paperwork, and um, they would they don't even want you to sign hard copies anymore. No, it's all done through e-sign. And there's not even the option to get the hard copies. So you can request a hard copy, um, but you don't actually get to sign the hard copy. So it's like they'll send you the documents through email, you sign them, and then if you want a hard copy, you can get the hard copy of the thing that you signed over the internet. Mm -hmm. But they don't they're not actually going to mail you any hard copies that you sign and then you mail back. So people might think this is a good thing. People might think it's a bad thing. Whatever it is, it's here. It's changed. And, and it's changed the way people do business. It's changed something for me. It just it just affected me because that was the first time I ever had to do it. So now it has directly affected me. It's directly um, changed an aspect of my life having to interface with that type of technology. Um, like I said, regardless of whether it's good or bad or more convenient or whatever it is, it's a change and it's a change. Here, here's the thing. The people who sent it to me, who sent the, those documents to me, 
the way that they act about it is very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. You see, so when technology gets introduced to them, they have no problem with it whatsoever transitioning into that new phase of technology. It's it's just kind of you know, and then it becomes one of those things where it's where it's like if you ask a question like, well, do you think I'd get some hard copy? Like, kind of taken aback. Whereas, not even five six years ago, that technology was not in wide use. No, All right. <clears throat> so there's another thing that we're seeing here too. As technology itself, generally speaking, becomes more accepted, you see the shorter time span of people adapting to and accepting technology into their life without question whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You see, as little of a time as five years, this new technology is totally, you know... um, adopted and in full use by industry and totally okay with the, and people are totally okay with it. Yeah. Become standardized, but, um, like what's with most of this stuff, it, it takes time to, uh, incorporate it into regular business flow and all of that. So it usually takes some period of adjustment and then uh, adaptation. And then you'll see it kind of come in here spotty. There probably won't be as much uh, application of that out here. But then it will be pretty much standard. And then, um, yeah, everybody will just accept it like, uh, okay, so you have that here. So that's the way it's done here. Now, generally speaking, people overall are more, are, are, we'll just take this technology, for instance, this um, e-sign documents. These are going to be regarded as, I, I mean, something like that being integrated into business would probably make people overjoyed for the most part. It's much easier. I mean, it's going to be much easier to get business handled quickly and and whatnot. Um, and I was reading all of the uh, disclaimers that the that this thing says that it has, and it, it's such a load of garbage. I mean, uh, it's garbage. Okay. Because th- there's all these disclaimers and this, that, and the other thing, and all all of it is about how you know, you know, 
they're not responsible they're not responsible for fraud or you know this type of stuff but at the same time this is the most secure they they claim this this is the most secure way to sign documents mm-hmm. right so as, at the same time you've got this disclaimer with this laundry list of how they're not responsible and you know um oh yeah and um any any part of your personal information, you know, be it your uh, name and your address and your phone number, if you choose to uh, put that into our system, that's going to all be given over, you know, to um, big data. Sure. Right. That's going to all be, but yet this is the most secure way to sign documents. And even if you sign documents that don't even have your name or your address or, or anything on it, your email address has to be entered in and that will be sold as some data. Oh, yeah. Whereas in the old days, here's how you used to do it. You get, you get a document sent to you, you sign it, you put it back in the mail and... Nobody has to be the wiser of it except for me and the person I'm sending it to. Now there's the middleman. In the middle of that middleman, there's there's um, data collection. Sure. <clears throat> right? Well, I've talked about this before with checks. Like, say, uh, a, a check gets submitted to the bank. They don't look at anything except for the numbers, so they just enter numbers into it. Because I was out, I was talking to the lady at the bank, worked at the bank. I, I said, well, you know, because I had a check that was uh, had written like years ago that went through, and it was like, where the hell is this check? And it was like an old landlord that had submitted a check I wrote, even though I had I had made good on the rent. I didn't had no idea. Like, I, what is I? I don't know this guy any rent. I don't know what the hell's going on, but. Some way or another, he had an old canceled check that I maybe I think I ended up reissued to him because it was one that he said that he got lost because I'd left it on the at the desk at the office, and um, and I just rewrote another one. But he cashed the old one, so it was like and then he had take or whoever his uh, people there to handle that had changed the date on it, and it's like, well, isn't that fraud? You know, you can't go altering checks. And then the lady was telling me, oh no, we don't pay attention to anything on there except for the number i said well what do you mean so if it's not signed or anything you still said no we'll just we just enter the number we don't it doesn't matter if it's signed it doesn't matter if it has a date it doesn't none of that matters so the signature is even just a it's just a formality it's not even really important as far as unless you're going to be taken to court and then it's going to come down an issue. It's like, okay, this document is not signed, and then you're going to take the position that no, I never signed it or never agreed to it. Then it then it might become an issue. But otherwise, I don't think it's much much attention is given to that signature. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, that's true. I mean, when I deposit my rent, I deposit it directly into my um, landlord's account. All I got to bring is the account number. Right. Uh, yeah. See, I mean, yeah, it's not it's not dependent on any signature or any, any transactions. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, boy. So, let's see here. I am looking for something. This will probably be a potpourri call. Well, here's something that I was uh, looking at. RFID, that's being implemented now. So, they're, you know... I think Walmart is kind of spearheading a lot of the adoption of that new technology as far as their internal uh, management of, in the warehouses and all that. Uh, so now you have the chip on your card. So I got a new card from my bank, and it's got the chip on it. And somebody was saying in regards to that, it's like uh, – they made mention of like, yeah, so you go into a store now and they ask you if you have the chip. And it's oh, yeah, like, I've been, I've been using, I've been using my chip card for, when did I get a tip? Last, last summer, not, not this past summer, but summer 2016, around that time. Okay, so. When you go into a store, you can't swipe it anymore. And I thought that was odd. It's like, okay, it's got the it's got, it's got the strip on the back to swipe, but it only now works with the chip. And the thing has the a separate chip reader that you insert the ch- card into, and it reads the chip. Well, and, hey, we'll see. Real quick, real quick. Okay. Um, b- before real quick before you go on. Currently, while they're in transition, the new readers this is this is very interesting. I'm just adding to this so you can keep going on with your story. The new readers have a place to insert the card with the chip, but they also have the swiper while we're currently in this transition phase. Yes, that's right. okay. Yeah. So they have both the swiper and the chip reader on the same unit. So I was thinking, well, that's pretty interesting how you have, um, because I was thinking it's, it's a uh, near field communication. So it's, it's with those things. So y- you wouldn't have to necessarily have to have a chip reader built in per se, but it was like, but I was just, I was just wondering like, like, okay, why does it have, okay, you got a strip reader and you got a chip reader and they're, so obviously, okay, we're, we're transitioning over the chip, and it's like uh, somebody was talking about like how it's like conditioning you with the question, like, "Oh, you have the chip, right? The chip." And it's like, yeah, I guess that could be a foreshadowing of uh, maybe an embedded chip, because that because it's now instead of it being just something that's like oh well it's a new technology on my card it, you 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 interact you know, on the inter- during the interaction or the transaction that question comes up oh you have the chip well here, here's oh, a, here's another yeah here yeah that, that's a good point uh, and considering i mean like you're saying when when i saw this thing pop up when when i got that card that you know, what in summertime 2016 and it had the chip on it. Um, 
I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, it's got a chip in it. You know, I don't know what that means. But then, like, you walk into a place. And so, so this is very interesting. So you go into somewhere and they don't have the chip reader yet, right? So you have to swipe it. Yeah. And I'll pull the card out and people already know what it is. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't. We don't have a chip reader yet, so just swipe it, please, sir. Okay, but then you go into another place, and they've got the new one where it's got the swipe and the chip reader. But then there are some places that already have only the chip reader. Yes. And okay, I, and so... I, and, and I'm thinking, well, here's the thing about this. I'll throw this in there real quick. It, it makes It'll make more sense out of what I just said. It's like... They could design these things any way they want. So if you have a chip and a strip, a strip and a chip, you could have it either work with both readers or one or the other, you know. They could also incorporate the chip and the strip reader into one thing so that it reads, it, it would read the chip just as easily as it would read the strip. Right. So that you, there's and, no change to the actual uh, mechan- the, the, the mechanics of it. It's just it would be just a smooth transition from swiping and then you'd swipe. But see, it, it, but I guess there's this maybe this idea that you you insert the card and then the transaction is not terminated until you pull the card out. And then the register re- registers that you pull the card out. So maybe that's another extra added feature i'm not sure but um yeah but i thought it was interesting that it's now part of the part of this transition it requires you to focus on the technology when i don't i don't believe that it was ever actually necessary to begin with but i could be wrong i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but. no i i don't be, i don't believe it at all i believe that this is total conditioning and i'll tell you why and you know just as well as I do because I'm pretty sure they've got these things out in your neck of the woods too. They've already got the technology at every gas station currently. Um, one of either two things already currently exists. You either have a little reader on your uh you have like a key fob on your on your keychain and it's called a speed pass and when you go into a gas station there's a speed reader on the pump and it charges your key fob like a credit card mm. okay okay so you just wave the key fob in front of the of the pump and whatever you uh, fill up on the pump, it charges it like your credit card. The other option that currently exists at multiple establishments, including Starbucks, is a speed pass on your cell phone. How does the speed pass get it? Is it tied into your bank account? Or yes, oh, yes, okay. it is. Wow, that's with, with, wonderful, with, John. With, uh, I mean, that would save you, it, it would save me at least. Eight seconds on my getting gas. I know. That's the thing. It's 
and, and I remember when they started pushing these, they started pushing these things um, 10, 12 years ago, somewhere around there. I remember seeing them. I was already hip to the, you know, this type of stuff. And so I was like, Oh, you know, I remember back then just thinking like, Oh, that, you know, there it is. There's next, you know, in 10 years, we'll have brain chips here. But yeah. uh, here we are 10 years. But I, I just remember thinking chips. that was stupid. Like, okay, I want to go get this damn thing and then go through a procedure to get it into my, where it's linked to my bank account. And then I got to keep traffic of this damn fob, key fob thing that I, I'm going to, it's going to be like an extra thing to carry. It's going to think on, it's like I pulled my damn card out of my wallet. It takes okay, like so eight seconds, like I said. Okay, so check this out. There's this um, there's this coffee store chain out here. When when I was when I was working, I would go to this coffee shop um, over by by Burger. It's called Coffee Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, the coffee bean and tea leaf. Anyway, so occasionally I'd go get a coffee there, and so they've got the speed pass there too. And so, but here's how it goes now at, um, at that place and Starbucks and I don't, I don't drink Starbucks coffee. I don't like it. Um, it's not that great. So, uh, and you know, I don't free, you know, it's just like, just like McDonald's. I don't go to McDonald's either. So, um, but, um. But here's the funny thing. I used to work with I used to work with this lady who would like drink Starbucks all day long, right? Uh-huh. And so um, she wasn't my supervisor, but she was uh, she d- had authority over me, but she wasn't my direct supervisor. So, anyways, um, she was uh, one day I'm in her office, and then she's like playing on her cell phone. And then she's all, okay, um, yeah, I want a, you know, you know, grande latte or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm calling in my Starbucks to, to I'm calling in my Starbucks right now. Well, you're calling it in? And she's like, yeah. So everybody does that. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Hmm. And so anyways... I was curious about this, and one time I was actually talking to you on the phone, like just we were having a private conversation, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, on my lunch breaks, I remember I used to like go. I told Jay used to go drive into the like where all the trees were, so I could at least not see any asphalt. Yeah. Right. So one day I was, I, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go check this out. So I drive around to that Starbucks and I park in the parking lot. And sure enough, there were people like they have this counter now at Starbucks where it's not the it's not a counter like um like you go up like you don't even have to talk to anybody. It's like they've got the the area where you know you're waiting for your drinks. But then they've got this little counter, this like little countertop and you walk in, and if you've got the little speed pass on your phone, it reads your phone as you come in, charges it, 
and you've already called in your order, so the coffee's waiting. So you literally just walk in, you know, and they say, John, you get the coffee and you leave. Uh, and the and, and it it re it it charges it on your phone as you walk in the door with a with a sensor or something there in the door built into yeah, the it, door. No, no. When you walk up to the counter, there's there's a reader. There's like a big like um, scanner, like a sensor. So you don't even pull your phone out of your pocket or anything, or do you just hold it up to the thing? No, but you hold it up to the thing and it just beeps and that's it. Okay. Does it have to have the QR code thing, or is it pulling it off your uh, chip in your phone? I have no idea. Mm. I have no idea, but I, I saw person after person do it, walk up with their phone, it beeps, and then, you know, they say, have a nice day, and you're just in and out just like that. Well, that's how it. Uh, well, see now they got the Amazon stores that are being yeah. rolled out in major cities, <laughs> where you go walk in and you just grab your sandwich or whatever they got going on in there, and you just walk right out with it. It's in your. It's. Uh, yeah. I don't know how it all works, but it's something along that lines. But you, I don't. Yeah, I think you I have see to that commercial. have a Amazon account to get inside the store. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but but the way remember I sent you that commercial for it. Yeah, I, I, I said yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I saw and, that commercial. Yeah. yeah, and but the way they make it seem on the commercial is is ludicrous because they literally make it seem like you know. And I'm not. I I don't like um. I don't like being condescending to younger people or anything, but. You know, they've got like these like hipster millennials just walking into the place. And then it's all, what if you could just walk into a store with no waiting, pick anything out you like, and literally just leave? <laughs> and it's just, you know, all these hipsters walking in and then just walking out with their food. Like they're just happy they didn't have to wait in line or pay or, you know, use that dirty cash or anything like that. You don't want to like, I mean, money is dirty, Chris. I don't even know why you want to use that. I know. I was, I, my face is itching and everything from handling that cash earlier. Gross. How many? I touched the cash and touched my face. Now my face is itching. <laughs> well, okay. You, you know, this is something else we talk about a lot is how like, there, there's things that you'll see over and over and over and over and over again in your lifetime. They just keep pushing the same thing, the same agenda, everything. The one you can cooperate this. How many times in your damn life have you read one of those stupid articles about how it's the end of cash, and they say money is dirty? I remember stories would be coming out talking about how how dirty money is, but then. Uh then I heard some stuff talk about how dirty the phones are. It's like they did some test on them with the bacteria, and it's let like me, through the roof. People well, using let me them ask on the you toilet and all that. Let me ask you a question. Um, a penny is made out of copper. Mm -hmm. You know copper is antibacterial. It's copper? Okay. I knew like silver was. 
um, metal any, anything metal is for the you know except well I guess stainless steel is not antibacterial but which coincidentally that's what they make pennies out of now um, yeah but yeah copper uh, so yeah dirt pennies aren't dirty um, I'm guessing that you know like people people are like ooh gross wash your hands after you got a handful of change I'm guessing you that nickel and all the other stuff that the that the um that all that change is made out of is probably less likely to be as dirty as you know um a shopping cart probably yeah the shopping cart handles got everything don't tell him what's on the shopping cart handle. <laughs> uh, there's just, but the most hilarious thing, which I do believe this, I do, you know, is mo- money is mostly covered in drug residue. Now, is that true? It's got cocaine on it and whatever. They could test them and there'll be cocaine on it. I, I've heard that. I believe I believe it to a certain extent. Yeah. See, because here's what ha- what here. Here's what happens. It gets shipped out by the Federal Reserve and then it, you know, and then it goes to a bank that's laundering drug money. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the wash. Comes off in the yeah. wash. Gets on your bills. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's like, um, yeah, I think that's part of the conditioning process to put the idea in your mind to power a suggestion, you know, like, God, money's so dirty. It's bad to touch it. Bad. Yeah. It's like everybody's been handling you, it. I mean, you just want to have a clean credit card, right? Just, yeah. Or, I know where my credit card's been. I don't know where that dirty cash money's been. Right. Your credit card's been in your wallet next to your butt cheeks. Butt sweat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... That's true. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've never been a germa germaphobic or anything. Me neither. But I, I, like Me that neither. kind of stuff. It doesn't because I always hear about that. It's, oh yeah, touch doorknob. You know, I've seen people take paper towels at the bathroom. And like, go up to the doorknob and use the paper towel to like open the door without touching the doorknob. I'm like, dude, man, you, you know, that's retarded. It's ridiculous. But it's like, yeah, you know, they used to um, old doorknobs used to be made out of copper and brass for the reason of uh, antibacterias. Yeah. Well, I always ask somebody, it's like, you ever see a a sick homeless person? Freaking homeless people are never sick. Okay. <laughs> you want to walk around with a handkerchief, hold, pick his stuff up. I mean, get out of here with that. It's just ridiculous. Well, I'll t- you, take it, you take it one further. It's like, well, how did people, you know, allegedly survived for millions of years, Chris, with, you know, out all the modern amenities that we have today. Oh, 
I mean, well, they say the Japanese got all happy with the hand sanitizer and all that. And they said it's it's fucking up their program. It's like they get they're they're not, they don't have any uh, immunity to bacteria when they when they finally come in contact with something because they they're always mm-hmm. always with the hand sanitizer all the time. Yeah, I was talking about that with somebody today. I was telling them about how when you use um, when you use essential oils. I'm not use, I'm not using this as an opportunity to talk about the oils here, but it's true. But Don't I use hands. Do you? I heard you like have you have some that you sell like a vendor, <laughs> like if you. Can. <laughs> oh yeah, a little late on the segue. But. Uh, you're, you're doing like a Glenn Beck, like uh, right there. No, not even because they're they're like super smooth when they go into the the ads. I mean, they do. No, but but, no, but, yeah. but seriously, yeah, but seriously, like people use hand sanitizer and they're all freaked out about that. I was talking to this about somebody today, um, you know, with alcohol. Now, I don't have anything against using alcohol, um, like around the house. It's you know, you want you put alcohol on the toilet in the you know in the toilet bowl, clean with it. That's a good that's a good thing. Uh-huh. Um. Maybe put some alcohol on the cutting board after you, you know, cut up some chicken or something like that. I spray vinegar uh, and uh, on it. Yeah. Um, one of the oils that is in the kit, the On Guard, uh-huh. that actually kills E. e. coli. Oh, so okay. if, if you, if you mix it. Yeah, if you mix that in with your spray there, that's going to kill everything. But here's here's the good thing about the essential oils that's different from something that's you know kills everything like alcohol or bleach or any of that type of stuff, which that just destroys everything in its path. The essential oil inhibits good bacterial growth. Oh, that's cool. So it doesn't, you know, and that's that's the big problem with all of that type of stuff that, you know, the hand sanitizers and all that. It's like, yeah, it kills everything, but when you kill everything, that means the bad stuff's going to grow back. Just the bad stuff, yeah. Cause it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah, they've done studies on that, and they're like, yeah, it comes back stronger after mm-hmm. you use those harsh... Uh, yeah, because there's always a balance, you know, like a balance, like inside your gut, there's like a balance of bacteria and yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it makes sense, like uh, not to not to do that. I don't ever get sick, John. I mean, I don't want to. I want to knock on wood, like uh, so I don't get sick. But yeah, I, I I rarely get sick. I haven't been sick in a long time. Last time I started coming down with something. I started taking baking soda and water, drinking it every couple of hours, and it, it. And I was pretty sure because I would, for for a long time, I would get these uh, sinus infections every year around this time of year. You know, when it starts turning cold and all that, it's like, okay, here's yeah. a freaking sinus infection. Like every time, it's like almost on like a schedule. But uh, and then it, it it's like a cold. So and then it hangs on for like a week or sometimes even two weeks. It's it's it's. But that I, I now it's like uh, I take the I, t- I start with the baking soda and the water, and, mm-hmm. and it works every time. I, I last 
two or three two or three years I've been doing that and I I don't get the I don't get the sinus head cold. I remember, I remember when you started taking it because when we first started doing these, the first year we were doing these calls, you got sick a bunch of times. And then you, you started taking the baking soda, and then um, you weren't getting sick as much. I don't ever, I don't ever get sick either. Um, I got food poisoning last year. That and that was because. Unfortunately, the only time, two times I've gotten food poisoning is when I always capitulate to somebody else's cooking. I always go somewhere and I feel obligated to eat something. I'm like, ah, well, you know, uh, might as well. Don't want to be rude. Uh, I guess I could, this this might be okay over here. And then a couple hours later, I'm like, oh man, no. Um. But then the last time I remember getting like a, you know, a cold or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was the time my wife had to go um, to a medical facility, unfortunately, to uh, get some sort of waiver sign for something. Okay. And we go to this medical facility, and guess what? We all got sick. Wow, yeah. That's a good place to go to get sick. <laughs> it is. It was, I mean, it was, it was like It was like that night where all of us are just like, ugh, we're just like ready to die. And it's like, it's like, gee, wonder why we got sick. Yeah, you'll get around. Sometimes there's like these... Uh, whatever it is going around and like it's it's potent man like everybody like you, you get near somebody that's got it you'll get it and then you'll spread it to everybody else i've 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 had that happen before it's just like some kind of like um stomach flu or something like that and mm-hmm. uh yeah but then like um see one time my brother's family were all visiting they all got sick uh i got I got sick. I got, I caught this uh, stomach flu. And, um, so the way I handle it is like, okay, so I got the stomach flu. I know I got it and I feel like vomiting. So I go and I just drink water, drink more water than usual. And I just go to, I go ahead and just vomit. And then, um, I don't hold back. If I even feel like I need to vomit at all, I go drink some water, vomit, drink some more water, go back in there and vomit. And it's like about an hour, an hour and a half later, I feel fine. And it's like, uh, it, it, and my brother, his wife, and they're all sick. It's still, I mean, they're just down bed, sit down in the bed, sick, like can't can't even move. And uh, I, you know, I tried telling me like, yeah, you got you got to work it out of your system. You know, you got to let it get out of your system. But I mean, I don't. When I do get sick, I don't. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, has the same kind of effect like uh i think i think i've got my immune system built up pretty good i mean i'm not bragging but i'm just saying like Mm -hmm. uh, you do certain things and you stay out of the standard protocols and you know you're doing better because you you compare yourself okay i got sick i got the same thing and like i'm already over it here i am an hour and a half later i'm fine just feel like i never had it and uh they're my brother i mean we're pretty genetically 
you know, same mom and dad and everything. So like, and he's he's wiped out. You know, he's like he can't even motivate. And I'm like, and uh, so I, you know, I take the opportunity to kind of poke the fun out of him a bit, you know. But it's like, no, I mean, it's like I'm not, yeah, I'm not bragging. I'm just, uh, I'm healthier. I can handle that stuff um, better. But I think it's just from kind of like going against the grain on uh, what you're always told about stuff, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, diet too, I think, has a lot to do with uh, how your body's going to fight off infections and all that stuff. I think that's probably one of the more important things. But, uh, um, yeah, we, we, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, fishing. Like, what? What a no, no. Like we, kind of went, we started off on money and then we're now we're off on infections and all that. But money yeah, being um, dirty, like uh, yeah, that's you know propaganda and all that stuff. Um, propaganda, I think it is. Yeah, I don't think money. You can handle money. People work at these uh, toll booths and these places where they handle. Do you? Do they wear rubber gloves? I wonder. They don't. They don't. So they're handling that old dirty money all day long. Why they really they should? should. Yeah, they should be wearing like uh, like spacesuits. Yeah, spacesuits. But like don't sweat. Feather. But don't sweat in the spacesuit. You might, you know, flood your helmet and. Right. Don't flood your helmet. Mm-hmm. Are, uh, cashiers handling money. I had I handed the lady at the grocery store the money and she took it in her bare hands and counted it and put it in the thing handed me my chain with her bare hands jeez what is this just, world coming to just filthy all that just filthy just oh, yeah. scum filthy scum garbage yep but, scum. Uh, scum 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 <laughs> Did you, you saw that, right? Yeah. What did he say? 157 times in two minutes. There's a clip. Somebody made a clip of Alex Jones saying "scum" 157 times in two minutes. Hilarious. But uh, you get uh, exposed to germs. At the hospitals where you get them, and then you'll get them uh, heavy-duty staph infections and stuff like that, where it's like penicillin won't even phase it. You're just we're usually use loosely using the word germs here. It's you know whatever it is, whatever it is, right? Yeah, I, it's like uh, the germ theory of disease. I think is uh, mainly bogus because. Uh, and, and people would say, oh, that's, you're absolutely insane. You don't believe bacteria exist or viruses. Like, I don't know if they do or not. I think they, I'm pretty sure they do. You can see bacteria. I believe bacteria yeah, exists. I believe it exists. I mean, I, I, I'm not denying it, but it's like the idea that is that, is that what causes disease? I don't know. If you're talking about, um, you know, if, if you're sick and you're malnourished and stuff like that, You'll you'll get all kinds of uh, infections and opportunistic pathogens coming into your system, but does that mean that that's what causes disease? 
or is the no. cause of the disease the malnutrition and the depleted physical condition yeah. that a lot of people are in? I think it's the I think it's people's depleted condition. And and yeah, no. an example is is like okay, you'll have a virus or whatever going around, whatever that's making everybody vomit their guts out. And then you got one guy, uh, like in like in that example, it was me, or you've seen it other too. Or like, there's people that's like, okay, they didn't catch it. Why didn't they catch it? I mean, they got exposed to it just like everybody else. Why aren't they down sick? Or why aren't mm -hmm. they as sick? It's like, well, there's something in their system that's fighting it off. And in the case where somebody doesn't get sick at all, it's like they've they don't it doesn't even phase them it bounces right off of them how is that possible if the germ is causing the disease and you are exposed to it so something's wrong with the germ theory of disease well I, I, we've talked about this before won't belabor the point but i believe in bacteria and chemicals and that's what makes people sick i don't believe in viruses don't believe in germs i just think People pass around bacterias and people are exposed to synthetic stuff in the environment that makes your body react a certain way. Um, sometimes you accident. I mean, here, here's one thing, and we, we've talked about this before, but you know, you like you have brought up the point that you know, after smelling paint fumes, you felt like you had the flu, right? I have um, like symptoms, yes, yeah. Well, let's just say somewhere you're out somewhere and you touch something and then, you know, get you got some sort of synthetic chemicals on your hand and you ingest it and your body goes into um, hyperdrive mode. You think you've caught a cold, uh, you know, that, that ridiculous term that you can actually catch a cold. You can't catch a cold. Okay. Um. But everybody's immune systems at certain times of the year can be compromised, mm -hmm. like winter. Yeah, winter time, your immune system's compromised. Uh, uh, winter time, everybody's. Uh, we've talked about this: eating candy and sweets and mm, all that type. Yeah, mm, yeah. It's you know your immune system's compromised. So people across the board, their immune systems are compromised, and then you get exposed to something bacteria or whatever it is and but everybody catches everybody catches it we talked about this before i mean this is going to sound like this is something that you could bring up to your wife where where it's going to get the response oh john everything's a conspiracy like come on like <laughs> <laughs> not my here's wife a, like here's a good one say like why does halloween okay it's a candy holiday and it falls right on the Right the week, kids are going to be having big bags of candy right within the week when it starts getting cold. Fuck, it's going to weaken their immune system. And then they go right into the winter months st straight away, loaded up with candy. Did we ever talk about, did you know the... Um for many, many decades on Halloween, people used to make their own stuff to give out to people. And then oh, sure, the candy yeah. companies conspired to scare everybody that people were poisoning the candy or putting LSD in the candy or putting razor blades in their in their 
apples. Oh, yeah. That was something I heard about when I was a kid. Like, every year, it's like, oh, yeah, did you hear about the kid? He bit into an apple and had a razor blade and cut his mouth open. <laughs> and it's like he you always know that all, that all that shit was made up by the candy companies so that people would buy freaking packaged candy and wouldn't hand out homemade goods. Uh, that makes sense, yeah. Because it would be like, yeah, every... And I remember those... Uh, oh, man, I used to love those. Caramel those apples? Caramel apples, yeah. I was like, that's right? what I wanted. Like, and those were... Apple. I, know you, that, I know, me too. You'd go to somebody's house, and they'd have a tray of them that they made oh, themselves shit, yeah. for Halloween. And then you're like, oh, dude, you're off to the rate. I mean, you know. Yeah, pay just, dirt right there. You got the candy apples. like, And then, yeah, it would be like a, a real treat, too, because it like, it'd be the occasional person that would bust out with the uh, candy apple, uh, caramel apples. Yeah. So, um, you know, that stuff. I mean, even back in the, you know, you know, way back when, you know, people would, you know, hand out cookies and, you know, whatever. I mean, but, you know, you can't have that. Well, yeah, like uh, it's got to be as if here's the thing. Okay, so your intent on uh, put something in there is going to hurt children. It's like you couldn't take a one of those little mini Snickers and like insert like a needle in through the packaging real easy and uh you know put a dose of lsd or whatever in there like uh i heard the lsd so many things so many times dude dude some kid some <laughs> i can't even say it without laughing <laughs> did he jump out a window like uh got <laughs> lsd in his uh like all those things uh, <laughs> sweet, sweet tarts. <laughs> Just loaded with a like, yeah, acid. Uh, it, I, no, it was. You know what they? It was like, um, it was something ridiculous. I swear, it was something ridiculous. It was. Uh, shoot, what what candy was it? I don't know. Can't remember. Well, he was like Jolly Jolly Ranchers or somebody. Somebody ate a Jolly Rancher and it was dipped in acid, man. (laughs) 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 Uh, There's people who are going to be outside the U.S. hearing us crack up about this. They're not going to understand it. Believe me. Yeah, urban legends and yeah, rumors. It's funny. It's funny because it was it was real. I mean, I mean, like you're saying, you remember. I totally remember. Kids yeah, were always, yeah, yeah. You believed it too, as a thing. Like it was just like, oh, you didn't question it. Oh yeah, a kid got acid on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you totally believe it when you're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. No, that that was the thing too. Is you would go to church. They would they would tell you all this crap at church too. You know, I'm not I'm not disparaging anybody who's a Christian or anything. But I used to go to Christian church and they'd say, Satanists are putting razor blades in apples. Don't take any apples from anybody. It was all of those uh, Satanist houses that I went to <laughs> trick or treating. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you ever heard of anybody like actually getting a razor in an apple? No, never. 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 No. Nope. Never ever. But um yeah, well what I I think the candy and the what they always say about yeah, you dose up on sugar like that and it 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 affects your immune system, which I believe and this is based on my own observations about myself how i feel if i eat something like that um yeah i do think it's odd that uh it it falls right in the time of year when the weather's starting to get cold and then you got the halloween and then uh, then then comes the uh yeah a lot of sugar like all of a sudden we start busting out sugar you got halloween you got and it makes sense in the res- in the respect of like okay, so it's sort of a long tradition. You go into the start going into the winter months, and it's it's dark early. It's kind of boring. It's not summer anymore. So yeah, you start eating, and you want the fun food, and you want the so it it makes sense in that respect. Well, well, pr- the other thing is is in winter you eat more, you bulk up, yeah, you put on the pounds. But that's you know people. Talk about the, you know, in popular culture, uh, you know, try not to put the pounds on this this winter, you know, with all the holiday. But the thing of it is, is to a certain extent, you naturally put pounds on in the winter because it's cold. Right. You need it. You need the fat. Mm-hmm. The, ins- the insulation. Right. But you in know what I'm a big fan of? In the summertime, people actually lose weight. Did you know that? Because, yeah, you're more active. Back in the day, you used to you go do the wheat harvest or whatnot. In the in the warmer months, yeah, you would be a lot more active, maybe more than the average person is now. But typically, yeah, you bulk up well, in the winter the, months. The other, thing, the other thing is back then – People actually went outside. I know that's hard to believe. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, they they went outside and they did stuff. Which, yeah, back that's back in the ancient past. So I know, like, like nineteen ninety six. Strange. All the no. way back, all the way back in nineteen ninety six. But uh, well, up until yeah, I remember as a kid, I I would it would be a a problem to get me in the house. It was now it's like I see my nieces and nephews, and it's like a struggle to get them to go outside. Like with me and my brother when we were smaller, and our, our, our neighborhood buddies and everything like that. It's like all the kids were outside every chance that they got like you didn't have any i don't ever remember any kid staying inside like they were always all the time outside every chance they got it's just standard Mm -hmm. but uh so with that said yeah it probably whatever you're eating or whatever is not going to have the impact on you when you're younger because you just burn it off you just burn it right off you know so mm-hmm. probably uh 
Yeah. <laughs> what were we? What subject were we on? None. No. So this is a subject-free AC. Subject-free. No, I've, I've got I've got a little thing here from the Dynamics of Change by um, Fabin. Don Fabin. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> Few maps you are likely to see will show it. But there is a little village in South America called Chinchero, high in the Andes. If it's any help, and it won't be, it is a few miles from the Cuzco ancient capital of the Inca Empire. And its altitude of 10,000 feet is in southern Peru. We learn about this little place, Chinchero, from Ellen Holmberg, writing on the cultural differences and concept of time in the book edited by... Robert Klimeyer, Aging and Leisure. As expressed by the inhabitants of this folk village, according to Dr. Oscar Nunez del Prado, the human organism has in its constitution a given number of ounces on Earth. The quantity, although fixed for the individual, varies from person to person. Some have more, others less. The existence of strong or weak people, in fact, is explained on the basis that some people have more earth in their constitution than others life is maintained and endures in chinchero in accordance with the conservation of an individual's distribution of earth nevertheless the vitality of an individual diminishes as he walks and climbs through life which is exactly what he does in the andes with every step he takes he leaves behind little particles of his earth supply and when this supply is finally used up death follows it is the belief of these people that human existence unfolds vigorously until the middle or, as they say, the 12 o'clock of life. Fatigue is great in the old man because the path which he walked, labored, and climbed has eaten his life away. It is our thesis here that this concept of earth of the Chinchero villagers is somewhat equivalent to our concept of the human use of time. We seem to believe that each human being has just so many units of time, like ounces of earth, at his disposal. When it is used up, he dies. How each individual decides to use up his particles becomes the basis of many of our moral and social judgments, judgments that may have little or no validity in the world in which we find ourselves today. We rush in here where angels fear to tread because we feel that our society is rapidly approaching an era, perhaps in 10 years, perhaps in 20, when the age-old distinctions between work and play, between free time and leisure, will no longer be relevant. There have been times in our past when it seemed possible to draw meaningful distinctions between these activities, but as we move ever deeper into the mechanized, automated, and cyber cybernated age, becomes more difficult for us to define what we are doing or what others ought to do. Like that strangely disturbing surrealist painting, The Persistence of Time, by, and it doesn't mention it, but that's by Salvador Dali. Our private and social clocks have dissolved into the anomalous topology 
of an old broken into fry, of an old egg broken into a frying pan. Most of us seem to feel that we know what work is. It is what we do, and seldom what anyone else is doing. This is both a personal and social judgment that we make it all the time for ourselves and for others. We make it when we say he never did a day's work in his life. We make it when we say everyone who is able ought to work, or when we say these people would be all right if they could only find work. Most importantly, we tend to equate work and income as if they were directly and proportionally related. Even the most superficial examination of this relationship historically or currently would appear to show that it, it has little, if any, validity. Yet we are embarking on great social programs in which this relationship seems to be taken for granted. In earlier times, this inadequacy might not have been particularly important, but now it becomes so. We are going to have to ask ourselves how we evaluate the human use of time when we consider and vote on such issues as social welfare programs, the guaranteed annual wage, the shortened work week, the guaranteed annual income, the war on poverty, and dozens of other considerations that already ride the headlines of our daily newspapers. We cannot delay much longer coming to some sort of personal judgment concerning the kind of mores, institutions, and systems of law we will have to invent, develop, and implement in society where work may become a privilege for a relatively few persons in an abundant or affluent society in which not working will be not only socially acceptable but highly desirable as a way of using human time. We have, of course, a feeling that time for us is very much like time for everyone else. Even the shallowest moment's reflection should convince us that this cannot possibly be true. The American view of time is shared by few other cultures in the world, which does not mean that it is better or worse, but only that it is not shared. As to the use of time as such, says Robert J. Smith in his essay on cultural differences in the concept of time, everyone who has had cross-cultural experience is well aware that time may be handled in various ways. The Americans are, of course, notorious for their orientation to clock-like scheduling, while the Japanese are not. But it is a standing joke that in Japan only the trains are on time, whereas in the United States only the trains are never on time. One needs to not look for any consistency in practice, but it can be pointed out that the United States, the trains are supposed to be on time. Even within our own culture, we find that the evaluation of the human use of time varies between age groups, occupations, educational background, and races. Let us see if there's some way we can look with relative objectivity into the question of why people should work at all. So Mr. Fabin was talking about a time that we're going to be heading into as uh, this idea of automation persists. And people start to question. Um, well, I'm sure that there's going to be people uh, in the future who will be put out of work by automation. 
Well, no, that's and now. it's happening now currently. <clears throat> so I came to a conclusion recently having a discussion with our good friend Richard. Um, and he was talking about uh, somebody he knows who's having something automated at their work. And I wanted to see what you thought about what you think about this. So the automation, for the most part, and, and we we've talked about this with the um, with the self checkout lines. Uh-huh. But okay, so I, I this was just this was just a new kind of epiphany that came over me is the idea of automation. Okay, so we're going to be sold on this idea of individuality, right? Right. Everyone's sold on this idea of individualism, but and doing it yourself, okay, which I, I don't have any problem with any of those ideas. But in the, you know, when you're interfacing with say customer service or you're going to interface with government or you know something like that <laughs> the only thing is that there won't be there won't be any service yeah it's going to be all you doing it is you'll be interfacing with the computer, but you'll actually be doing all the work. Right. And so that's the trick of all of this automation. The trick is they have tr- are going to trick all of us, generally speaking, into doing all of the work doing our own customer service, but we think because we're going to talk to a computer or a robot that we're actually getting better customer service. All right. Right? All right, yeah. But you're... But you are taking on, in the case of a self-checkout, you are taking on a task that was never required of you before. Uh, it's being put upon you to check yourself out of a store when, when that was always traditionally was something that was handled for you. Bagging your groceries, so you bag your own, now you're being conditioned now to bag your own groceries. And it's under under the idea okay you'll get discounted prices like the all they have this Aldi store I think we've talked about this before where it's kind of like they've taken that idea they have a store that's like understaffed they don't have very few workers in comparison to other stores then uh, by the way Aldi sucks and it sucks yeah I uh I went there not too long ago I mean 
not to run it down. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I gave it a chance, and I, and I don't like the, I don't like the quality of their stuff. It's a, uh, but anyway, it's supposed to be Trader Joe's, by the way. I, I know you probably already knew that, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you and Marcus brought that to my attention years ago before we even had that store out here. We only got that store this year. Yeah, I did, I, I don't. Uh, I don't see the same products, uh, at, at least at the local one here. I'm, I'm sure it's probably different wherever you go. But anyway, yeah, you check. You you have the uh, they have checkout, but then you bag your own groceries. So, and mm-hmm. they don't have any. Uh, you buy bags and and stuff like that. So it's but it's under. It's under. It's it's all with the idea in mind that oh, it's good. It's it's that's the reason why it's cheaper because you take upon yourself to bag your own groceries and do all this other stuff, and then that's uh, that's that's the idea. But um, what's interesting though, it's like uh, I haven't been at Trader Joe's in a while, but ha- isn't Trader Joe Joe's pretty much full service? Like uh, like they bag your groceries and stuff, right? They have like pretty good service from what from what i remember like they would have baggers and people working there and customer service full full service you know you know they just you know for for the very longest time they kind of spearheaded that bring your own bags type stuff yeah because it's you know green but one of one of the points i just want to make here real quick is like is like yeah yeah we we've talked about the full service or, or the um you know self service at the at the grocery store, but think about it when you interface with a computer on the telephone, right? Yeah. Once again, you're doing all the work. I'd never thought about the, it like this. Like, it's supposed to be better customer service, right? Than a human. It's fa- it's supposed to be faster. Uh-huh. Okay, let's. No, we all know that's not true. But um, but either way, whether you think it's true, it's faster, and you know, or it's better because you don't have to talk to a human because you don't like to talk to humans. Um, either way, once again, you've been tricked into doing all the work because what do they do? You know, welcome to Bank of America, para español, este número dos. Mm-hmm. For English, press one, right? Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, you're doing all the work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But see, you're interfacing with AI, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Okay. So you're inter- you're interfacing with AI, Chris, so it's 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 real it's real tech, technologically advanced stuff here, mm-hmm. and it's gonna do all the work for you, even what? though, right. even though you're doing all. Please enter your account number. Mm-hmm. One moment. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Please repeat the number. Yeah, it See. ends up taking longer than it's like a... Right, well, that's commonplace now. But but you're doing, you're doing all the work as the customer. And 
even think about it like online, you know, online banking, online shopping, all that type of stuff. Just think about the reversal of this idea. And I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, obviously, um, I like, uh, I like the idea of being able to do things myself. That's not what I'm disparaging, but our idea has, this is a conscious, um, this is, you know, just a, to be cognitively and consciously aware that our idea has been shifted of what it means to have, you know, quote unquote customer service or quote unquote, whatever it is. Everything has been shifted to this idea of individualism. It's like, well, I'm going to do my own shopping. I'm going to do my own banking. I'm going to take care of it myself. Here's the thing, though. And I keep pointing this out. You don't see any price drops. Mm-hmm. Right. The prices are all going to stay the same. Yet you will be doing all the work. So they sold you all on the idea of being an individual and it's freedom and individualism and you're going to do it all yourself and you don't have to wait around for no for for you know some customer service person who had a bad day and is going to be cranky on the phone with you or some you know checkout person or any of that type of stuff but there won't be any prices dropping to compensate you as taking the place for all of those people. It's like, you know, it is all of a sudden Amazon's prices going to, um, you know, if anything, what you see is prices go up. Do you remember Chris in the, in the, um, the wild west days of Amazon when Amazon first started the first, what they started out on was that, um, prices were lower First of all, Amazon, when it started out, um, if you wanted to post something up on Amazon, like say you had something to sell, um, it was free to do that. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. completely free to have an exchange. It was basically like um, like a marketplace. Yeah. And then at some point they started chart. If you, you know, it's, it's like, if you want to sell something on Amazon, now Amazon takes a cut of it. It's like eBay, like, you know, eBay is the worst obviously, but, um, but even when eBay started out, they used to take like something, you know, PayPal is another one. Um, they, uh, used to take like, you know, 10 cents out of every transaction or something. Right. And Real. now they take, now they take 30% of the entire transaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it uh, pretty typical as they build up their user base and then it starts, you know, it's uh, sort of the reverse of economies of scale where it's like the, the whole idea is that, oh, yeah, well, it's uh, on a large scale. You know, it's uh, per transaction you could go cheaper, but no, they go... <laughs> As it expands, yeah. they go more. It's it's more money, and it's like, well, yeah, I could, I could kind of understand from the perspective in, in in some respects where it's like, well, yeah, the costs of doing it as it expands also increases, but then at the same time, well, with economies of scale, you would you would be able to charge less, but no, that's not 
not what you right. see. Uh-uh. It's, like, it's not uh, what you see. It's not what you see. And then the other thing that you see, as I was referring to with that Jacques Alal quote in the beginning, is the technology itself becomes the center of society. So, like we keep pointing out, people think keep tending to think, you know, even people who are alternatively minded might still think that this is a conspiracy or that this is some wild conspiracy theory. It's like, no, the technology was invented to get you to use the technology as the medium. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's why it existed. The The idea was you start using the technology, you use the technology, you get hooked on the technology. The technology becomes more of a convenience than it than life was prior to the technology being implemented into your life. And the technology companies who provide the conveniences um, are betting on the fact that you're not going to discard the technology once you've implemented it into your life. So you use Amazon. You're not going to not use Amazon anymore. Who in the right mind would get rid of Amazon? Right, Chris? Right. So they're betting on that, meaning they can raise prices, meaning they can do you know whatever it is that they, they want. The fact is, is you use it. Now that you use it, you're not going to unuse it. Um, you know, same, same thing with any of that type of stuff. And... And the goal was just to get you to use it in the first place. So, yeah. So the uh, usual uh, the uh, initiation phase is is right. You can always go back to like, oh yeah, the early days of eBay. It was like really inexpensive to uh, set up your own store. They didn't charge very much, and um, it's like uh, it's kind of like the way. Uh, well, if you look at Etsy right now, it's I think they have really in comparison they have low percentage of their take but see they're not near as any approaching the size of ebay but then so right i would imagine that once it if uh which is a which which is in question but like so if they were to attain the the sort of widespread adoption like ebay they would do they would follow ebay's pattern of yeah we now, now that we have you, we're going to j- ratchet up our rates, and it's something that you always see. It's like this ad- adoption phase, and then people flock to it because it's like, hey, this is a way that I could make extra money, and this is uh, going to be great. And initially, it is. It's like a wonderful thing, and then it as it progresses along it's like oh wait a minute okay so the fees got went up again this month and like you know and then you hear people belly aching about it but do they leave no they don't leave because they already have all this investment into it you know and uh it is and then it's it's very calculated so that you know once it gets to a certain point it's like well i can go with a competitor but then i'm not going to be selling as much because there isn't the people or the customer base that uh, is going to uh, 
be available that's that you have here at eBay or 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 wherever you know. So yeah, it's uh, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the way all this stuff works. I mean, it's always and they always, without exception, follow the same pattern. You know, it's like the initial adoption phase, and then expand the customer base, and then it's like, okay, now we're starting really stick it to you, and then we, but then they sort of do this. Um, you know, calculated moves so that, like, okay, well, now we're really pissing people off. We need to throttle back a little bit, and I've seen that happen. So I think eBay recently uh, had a re- reduction in their seller fees and stuff like that, probably because just, you know, they started seeing people just drop off. Oh, okay, now we need to back off a little bit, and then they drop the fees. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so they know right up where they just really always kind of testing that line, you know, like, where, okay, where where is the line at? Can we push it a little bit further and incrementally ratchet it up? And then, um, so that's, yeah, uh, so that's, so, so you always see that, but it's like, it's, yeah, it's a conditioning process. You know, once you get, once you get to, uh, you adopt it, the technology, you start using it. You get comfortable with it, and then it becomes sort of this uh, routine thing where it's familiar now, and then um, and then uh, it's yeah, you're in, and yeah. uh, then um, uh, as I, I think that uh, people who aren't early adopters or ever get around because I was. Uh, at the grocery stores last time I went, not this, not today, but it was like, there was a lady in front of me, like writing a check. And I was like, that's, I haven't seen that in a long time. And, uh, so she's sitting there and it's like, for some reason, every time I get behind somebody writing a check, it's like they are filling out their address, their phone number, writing it on the check. Like it's not pre-printed, none of that. And it's like, they're, and it's like, uh, Wow, is this is this is like uh, Tolstoy in front of me? Like shit, writing all this shit on it. It's like, what are they writing? Like, what the hell? It's like, what is taking? You know, it's so writing, 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 writing. It's writing, writing, and still writing, still writing. It's like, okay, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, uh, but it's like that's rare now because it 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 holds up the line. It holds up, you know, and it's not. Uh, with the times, you know, but, um, but the people around that are still clinging to the old standard ways of doing things, if it wasn't for that, we would be already progressed further along into the whole cashless idea. But, um, there's, there's always those holdouts, you know, and, uh, I think that's, um, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. I'm not complaining about the lady writing a check in front of me. I don't care, but it's like, uh, but I think, well, yeah, if everybody was writing checks and then filling out all of the, uh, information, it would take a lot longer to get through any lines. And, uh, and then, so, uh, yeah, you're just weighing all those factors, but it's, it's, it's makes you think though. It's like, well, this used to be the standard. Like, how did people put up with it back then? Well, they just accepted that, okay, this is going to, you know, you're going to be writing a check, you're going to be taking a little bit longer. It's just, eh, uh-huh. it's what it's the way it is, you know. Well, the, the 
the the other thing is is well, well first of all you bar- you really see anybody write anything at all anymore just seeing a pen is kind of rare in public um uh but as you know th- this is kind of a th- I don't know how to describe this. It's just kind of a normal thing in society. As you see things start to go away, most people out there don't notice when things, you know, go away. Like you, you saw someone writing a check, and even you, you're not used to seeing people write checks, right? No. Yeah, because it's so normalized not to see that, but yet. You know, you 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 know, you're ten years older than me. I'm ten years older than somebody who's thirty. Um, we're from an, we're from an outdated, old-fashioned generation who can remember things. So, you know, we're slated for the dustbin pretty soon. Oh yeah. Right, and so because. There's one thing you don't want around, and it's not that you know this. You know somebody, somebody might be scared of people. They are scared. I think they are scared of old ideas getting passed down to a certain extent. Because, but not in the way of like, oh, you know, oh, I remember when people used to write checks or anything like that. It's because just certain amounts of wisdom, but but. Largely, unfortunately, um, except for the people who take time to actually raise their kids, children properly, um, people are brought up in a world like we're talking about where conveniences are ju- and um, technology is just blindly accepted. It's not thought about. It's not explained. It's just adapted and adopted uh, without thought, um, very passively, just like me, Chris and I grew up on television and nobody ever explained it to us. It was just there and we accepted it as a, uh, you know, as, as we accept trees growing in nature. Right. Um, when old things go, people don't real, like they don't recognize it. And it isn't until you see it again that you realize that it's gone. Right. Right. So it passes, you know, things like that pass quickly. And, and they go, they go out and and it's those little, it's those little things like that, like that, um, you know, well, l- luckily, you and I have these weekly discussions where we discuss things like this, so we're kind of reminded and on a weekly basis to kind of notice uh, changes in culture and society. But it is little things like that that go away as time passes and people don't recognize it. Or like how I was talking before is, you know, like signing documents in person instead of through the computer you know, the, those little things will go wet, go away um, uh, virtually unnoticed. And then, like I said, most people will be overjoyed. It's like, well, 
This lady's writing a check. Shoot, I'm, I'm glad I don't write checks anymore. I got my chip. Mm-hmm. You see, so th- those are, you know, people will cheer the demise of old forms for the most part because it's old. It's old-fashioned. It's, um, it's an old way of doing it. It's very inconvenient you know that that's the that's the other thing you know a lot of this stuff is based on a lot of this technology is based on this idea of convenience and the point i was just making is it's actually not convenient because it just makes you have to do more work so it's all sold on the idea of convenience yet you're going to have to do more work the only thing that is going to be more convenient and that really has been more convenient is to be able to have, for the most part, 95%, is to have absolutely, completely, and totally useless information at your fingertips ready for you to access whenever you'd like on your smartphone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just completely and totally useless information is just ready and there for you to access anytime. And... uh, you know, fill fill the hours of your day with. No, uh, we'll have well, you have the thing that you could talk to now that'll tell you useless information, and when they show you those commercials, it'll it'll be like uh, they'll demonstrate like somebody asked like how tall is the Empire State Building? The Empire yeah. State Building is, you know, whatever. And it's like yeah, like what? Okay, I why. Uh, Okay, then then at, then you need to ask like why the hell did I ask that? Like uh, why, why would I need to know the one, that? The one they the one they they push all the time, the commercial that um will pop up on YouTube or whatever it, you know wherever it is, and it's completely and totally once again, completely and totally useless. Doesn't mean anything. It's not any more convenient than anything is. You know, Alexa. Play some adult contemporary music. <laughs> Alexa, play some punk. You know. <laughs> and it's like, geez. Hey, you know what? I wanted to um, ask you a question. Um, totally, uh, sw- you know, switching topics here uh, drastically. <laughs> so um, I was talking to... Um, I was talking to Kyle uh, the other day on a on a call, and uh, we were discussing the recent um, the recent uh, you know sexual harassment stuff in the news. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your opinion on this, um, so I was thinking about it. Um, so uh, you know. But what we were chatting about, you know, Louis C.K., you know, got the sexual harassment thing, right? Right. Um, you know, sh- showing his PP to women and things. Um, Is he being brought then, up on some kind of charges or something? Like a okay. Well, okay. Look, b- before I answer that, let me let me go into this here because that's what I want to talk to you about. Okay, so, and then there was Kevin Spacey, right? Uh-huh. 
and you know he's you know touching people's private areas and all that type of stuff and then um then there's harvey weinstein of course and so on and so forth down the line okay now all of these things are no more than allegations right right there's no proof is that these are all allegations <laughs> now bill cosby was still part of the old school i had nothing to do with touching any of these women i had nothing to do with that right <laughs> I was busy. I had, was eating Jello pudding pops that night. I didn't. I would did not drug that woman. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so Bill Cosby denied it all. Okay, mm-hmm. um, because they were just allegations. Whether it was true or not, I don't care. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about bad stuff, obviously. Bad stuff happens. I know. I know people personally who really, I know women personally who have been sexually harassed and raped and had bad things happen to them. Okay, so I know I know it's real. I do take it as a serious thing. This is very far removed from my personal life. So it's not something that's directly affecting me. And I tend to think that a lot of this stuff is bogus, even though I do believe that that stuff does go on. Oh, yeah. And I do think it's par for the course with entertainment and, you know, power being wielded over people and all that type of stuff. But here's the thing, okay? Let's just look at this logically. In the logic that's been provided to us by the media and by the powers that be, let's look at it in the same kind of logic. These are allegations. Everybody's copying to them. Why? Mm-hmm. They were mere allegations made against Louis C.K., and yet he copped to him and apologized, made a public statement and apologized to it and said he, he had some pretty um, narrative aligning statements like, he was talking about how he needs to listen. If you notice, one of the things that's been bantied about throughout this whole thing is that men don't listen. I don't know if you've heard this this uh, uh, this uh, catch, you know, kind of uh, what's what's the word? I guess it's a meme. Is that, is that the proper that men don't listen to anything women have to say? Men need to listen. Men need to shut up and listen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So so Louis C.K. Uh, included that in his statement is that he needed to listen to women when they were saying and not try to wield power over them. And that's what he did. He wielded power over them by showing him his penis, even though they didn't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay, so allegations after allegations. Now, here's the other thing. House of Cards, which Kevin Spacey stars in, is a big show. Lots yeah. of people watch it. They dropped House of Cards. 
because of these allegations. Louis C.K. got all of his things dropped on all, you know, his movie got dropped, his network television thing got dropped, whatever it is. Oh, really? Okay. All got dropped because of these allegations. The point I was making with Kyle the other day was there's millions of dollars at stake here. Sure. Okay, here's another thing. When have you known the media to just um, willing, uh, you know, willy-nilly to come out with stories about celebrities when those media empires are either colluding with or are owned by the same corporate entities that make the movies and the TV shows? So how could any of this, you know, you you made a great point back in the day about the banker bailout, about how they didn't they didn't need to let the public know about the banker bailout at all. No. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. What's the difference with this situation? No, it's part of the whole uh, conditioning process. Now, I I, th- yeah. I think so, too. I, I agree, because why would we need to know anything about any of these allegations? It, you know, there would be no reason. There's no good logical reason for any of this to be taking place in the public eye. No, and yet, yet we're led to believe that, the you know, that one, the media is, you know, covering this like they're journalists breaking stories. Right. We're also led to believe that newspapers just come out with stories like this just because they're happening. I mean, do you, okay, let, let me, let me lay out the situation. Somebody at the New York times hears a story about Louis CK, um, you know, sexually harassing women. Do they just immediately like take that to their editor and then they like run off, they start running off copies without calling somebody who represents him or um, asking for permission from the parent companies that, you know, the entities that basically run his persona? I would think not. No, probably no way. No way. I mean, and then the most glaring one of them all, which we, you know, lightly discussed on a previous episode was Harvey Weinstein. A guy wields enormous power, could get anything squashed. There's no way anybody would run anything bad in the media about him ever for for his entire existence. And then boom, overnight, he just lost all his power just entirely overnight. And all the newspapers reported on everything he was doing. Sounds logical, right? Well, here's a... uh, So I pulled up an article on CNN, just kind of looking at it, about, okay, Louis C.K. here. What jumps out at me is this related article. You know how you get those when you're looking at a news article online? It says, oh, yeah, check this out. This is related. This is something you need to read that's relevant to this. 
it just check out the title uh training men and boys to honor women in the age of hashtag me too so that's that's the answer right there it's like oh we need to train and okay well now how is this going to work itself out in the you know so-called real world well we're hearing all this stuff and this this also touches on school shootings bullying all all these different initiatives and they're getting these uh counselors and their people more involved with these like inter they call them like interventions with children and stuff like that this is really a lot of this type of thing came out of sandy hook uh a lot of people were kind of fixated on the idea of gun control but really i think that this is a huge component of this is like okay so when you're hearing this uh conversation you know okay oh we need to have a conversation about what what you're going to find out about what you're going to find out and i'm sure if uh you know we were to go look around we would find some kind of initiative some kind of something along this lines like okay we need to take action in the form of legislation, which is going to be uh, enacted with policies in your public schools, uh, that sort of thing. It's just like it, it's something as, uh, you know, mundane as like bike, bike paths. Well, okay, we're looking at the uh, so-called terrorist attack. And lo and behold, you go back, you know, a couple of years, a month, you know, the, 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 what's currently going on as far as that sort of thing with the legislation and all that. And it's like, oh, well, the Safe Streets Initiative and Agenda 21 and bringing in, uh, you know, this new uh, developments, you know, changing cities, reconfiguring them to make them more amenable to traveling by bicycle, that sort of thing. So in the media... And the entertainment industry, the movies and everything are all working in coordination on all of this stuff. Um, so you're going to see these themes that will be, um, wh what is it, the, uh, gosh, it'll pop in my head here in a second. It's, it's this uh, organization, the Mailer Group or something like that. Named after, Nor I think, Norman Mailer. Does that sound familiar? Or no. Were, or no. Norman Mailer is the author. Norman Lear is Norman the man Lear. you're Yeah, Lear. Lear. Why, why yeah, did I Norman. say Mailer? Anyway, yeah, Lear. Okay, yeah, Lear Foundation because or something like that. You're thinking of Norman Mailer, the, the paid shill for the JFK assassination. Okay, right. Yeah, Lear Foundation. I, I, I don't know why I couldn't remember that, but yeah, Lear, the Lear Foundation or something to that effect. Well, they they're, they're have um, on record as coming out, being really candid about, oh, well, we go to these script writers and these people that make your favorite television shows, and we've been really effective in uh, persuading them to incorporate – uh, educational things about global warming and stuff into the scripts and you, in, into your hop, popular television shows and all of that. And it's like, so they just kind of brazenly come right out and, and and run their mouth about this stuff. But it's like, 
Yeah. So what you're saying there, dude, is that you're you're propaganda propagandizing people through the media. But see, they look at it as like, oh, we'll see, we're we're affecting change and we're doing good, and you know, we need to, you know, that we need to do this for people's own good. You know, we need to, and and you know, sometimes you'll get a candid admission about all this stuff, but it's just insight into how um, that's the that's the that's the norm. Maybe that's why I said Norman. It's a norm. Norm. It's a norm. Norman. No. Uh, yeah. That's rem- that'll help you remind. Uh, rem- remember, yeah, Lit- Norm Lear Foundation. Just yeah. remember, just remember who, who Norman Lear is. Norman Lear was the developer of All in the Family, right. Sanford and Son, Good Times, um, the Jeffersons, All in the Family they- with the uh, yeah. And so, what what does that mean? It's like oh, affecting social justice and change through popular culture. How could anybody not watch Good Times or Sanford and Son or the Jeffersons? I mean, I used to think this back when I was a teenager. All the stuff that you get taught about things being racist, those shows are totally racist, even though they're trying not to be racist. Uh Uh-huh. Did you ever feel that way? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, here's like what the, I was talking the, the about mes- with um, a lot of the these- message. Of, the message of Good Times was it's a family who's always trying to get out of the ghetto, yet they can never seem to get out of the ghetto, right? Right. And um, yeah, I was I always thought that was a you know here, here's these uh, sh- you know these shows basically just trying to be. Um, trying to be antagonistic and create a division amongst people and their uh, their cover of being non-racist liberals is actually that they are racist liberals. <laughs> uh-huh, right. That's pretty funny. Right. Well, I, I've talked about, too, how these... Feminist me- messages that you'll see in commercials and stuff, and how I, 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 I'm thinking, wow, how like condescending that they are. Like as far as towards women, like you know, very like patronizing and and condescending. It's like that's the that's the, that's the way it comes across to me. And, and I'm thinking like like do women like the average woman like sees this kind of stuff and 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 get get put off by it because it's so sort of uh, patronizing and and obviously so. I I, I don't know, like, like uh, but uh, that's the way it no, comes the, across the, to me because I kind of look at it as an agenda. But. Yeah, the, fem- the feminist stuff is designed to make very dumb, down, shallow women because those are the, e- because then they will become very programmable Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I really see that you know, and that type of stuff obviously is a people problem. It's not just a woman problem. It's not just a man problem. You have dumbed down, easily programmable people across the board. Whether you're a social justice warrior or a, uh, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're, you know, collectively everybody's uh, 
dumbed down and becomes more programmable in that fashion. But yeah, if you're a feminist falling for the feminist propaganda, you um, the main goal is to uh, basically demoralize women. Well, yeah, and uh, not just oh, there's one that kind of stands out where it's like uh, I don't know Sprite or something. Drink Sprite, and then it's like a young man, a young woman, and, and like um, so they're fighting over Sprite. I don't know what I, I forget the scenario, but they're doing like a tug of war. And when I first saw that commercial, I was like, oh, I already know that the of course a female is gonna pull the dude into the ice bucket and sure enough she did it's like oh yeah women have greater upper body strength in the commercials it's but but to me it was like i mean look at that isn't that just so condes- patronizing toward women like condescending and like what what like what it to sell oh, like yeah okay yeah of course the woman's gonna be stronger she's gonna be uh yeah pull pull a guy into the ice bucket that's you know, uh, 120 pounds heavier than well, she is. Well, one of the, one of the things this this um, this whole thing is doing, and this is why I kind of brought it up because I, I didn't get to bring this up on on the call I was doing with uh, with Kyle because it came up this morning. Um, Kyle brought up that George Takai has been um, implicated as being, as groping a um, a man who visited him at his, uh, at his uh, apartment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my initial response is, you know, what's the angle for bringing George Takai into this? Right, because he's um, uh, Tim. You know, Tim at Fake All just uh, pointed out that Takai is you know is cur- is like frequently on Howard Stern show. Oh, he is okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of this because I don't listen to Howard Stern, but apparently he's on Howard Stern all the time, and he like, you know, is uber gay. He's super gay, right? Okay, and that's kind of a character he plays is he's just you know this you know and i've heard him say like pretty nasty stuff like in clips and stuff um you know so he's like this kind of foul-mouthed you know old gay guy it's kind of funny right you know funny it's funny this old man says like uh you know people like when um old people have have uh foul mouths right Okay, and then um, I was I was thinking about this, and um, somebody else had brought this up too. Is okay. So here's what here's what this does. And this is kind of this is kind of interesting that this this angle is being brought into it too, because this is why the Kevin Spacey thing is brought in. So. Um, this will normalize gay and create an established deviancy that is already established in the hetero world, like the normal world. Mm-hmm. 
And since gay is now part of the new normal, its conformity to the existing normal is essential so as to gradually insert itself into the accepted society and alter both itself and the existing normals. Does that make sense? It's, you know, um, what it's go in, I guess, layman's terms. Um, I kind of I wrote that out what I just said, but what I'm saying is, is see, gay and hetero is now going to be the same thing. It's a, we're all going to be accepted across the board as that. It's like, and it's not going to be acceptable in the new normal gay that is equal to heterosexual to be groped by men just as it wouldn't be acceptable to sexually harass women. Mm -hmm. Okay. You you see how how that works? Mm -hmm. So it's equally bad to grope a man just as it is to grope a woman. Yeah, didn't they have one of those actors come out? Male actor, uh, black dude. Uh, he's in that movie, Idiocracy, The President. Terry, Terry Crews. Yeah. Yeah. He got, he got grabbed. <laughs> but, yeah, and, but what, but, you see, it's even, but see, Terry Crews is a straight guy. What I'm saying is, is now it's bad for gay guys to, to sexually harass other gay guys. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, that's the point I'm making is, is the gay is good because it's normalized now. It's, it's part of the new normal where it's equal to heterosexuality. It's equally accepted as just as heterosexuality is, but, and so as it becomes accepted, it has to adopt the same taboos. Mm, Yeah, I see. You see what I'm saying? Right. So if you're a gay guy and another gay guy sexually harasses you, you have to report it. You have to say something. If you see something, say something, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so just as a woman would report a man sexually harassing her, a gay guy has to report another man sexually harassing him. Sure, yeah. Well, if it's... If it's... What if you're not gay? Can a gay guy sexually harass you if you're not gay? I guess they could, right? I mean... You know, that's the one thing that's not kind of getting that, that much focused on to a certain extent it's um it's kind of sort of getting focused on but it's it's just kind of general i think the thing that's kind of being bantied about in this whole thing which is i'm sure generating a lot of money and a lot of publicity um is that you know hollywood is being shooken up and uh sexual harassment is just not going to fly anymore uh, no matter who it is, and um, I'm sure it was it will still exist in all its shapes and forms. But to the general pop population who 
uh, watches all this garbage. It's going to change your attitudes and your viewpoints about the opposite sex, no matter whether they're male or female. Yeah. Well, like you, you know, like you were talking about earlier, like we're sort of the on our way out as far as this generation goes. And I think that, you know, this stuff now that's kind of part of the so-called conversation. I, I do think that this is, this is really more directed towards youth people mm-hmm. who are younger and that, um, yeah, th- this is going to, uh, be implemented in schools because that's the, uh, it, it, at least that you know the the ad, the attitudes towards these some of these things I think would be more uh, of a of a crackdown on this at, at, in the school environment. Like you you've already heard these stories, like um, oh fifth grader uh, trying to hold hands with a girl in school and gets you know suspended. Mm-hmm. Stuff like yeah. that, where it's just so you're already seeing that, and there's I think that's and that is more has to do with um, uh, just completely destroying the, uh, the the dynamic male and female dynamic. I agree. I think that's really what it's about. Um, the, these uh, interventions and this sort of thing, where it's like, so w- what it does. We 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 talk about we're always talking about perception management, and so the way that you bring these cultural changes about is through perception management. So you got to have some kind of a. It's like nine eleven is kind of like, um, uh, for example, just using cops as an example. It's kind of like their uh, fallback position. Like oh well, you know we're. Um, not just cops, but let's say TSA or something else, or anybody law enforcement is like, they'll, um, you'll, you'll yeah, 9-11. Oh, it's 9-11. Well, it's now in this, in this, even this day and age, we can't be having you walk around with a camera and we can't, you know, we need to question everybody what to do. We need to maybe pull people over randomly and, and, and interrogate them and stuff. Cause you know, in this day and age, you know, you might, you know, might be a terrorist. That's their, their fallback thing. So if you remember how that works, and you see that that's quite evident that that's what's going on. It's like, you know, oh yeah, be, it, I guess you would call it because 9-11. Because 9-11 yeah. this, because 9-11 that. Or, and then with this, um, it, when you're seeing this stuff pushed out into the media with sexual harassment and all this stuff, it's gonna be, oh, because, you know, Louis C.K., or because it's, it's the same principle at work. So the so what I'm saying is like the 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 moves have already been the machination the mechanization has already been the legislation all that and the and the changes have already been beginning to be implemented. This is just your backstory or your because 9/11 moment for whatever this is, and I guarantee you it's some kind of the, this is institutional reforms that are being pushed, and it's going to be like you know schools daycares. Uh, colleges, universities, uh, mainly because yeah, like I said, it's a lot. Of, a lot of this stuff is directed toward uh, y- younger people to shape their minds coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when you see something that's a. It's like all of a sudden you start hearing about it, and it's and it's and it's in your face, and it's con- and it's sort of this drumbeat. 
that's being pounded on, you know that there's some sort of um, uh, cultural change is coming that's going to, uh, you know, address whatever this happens to be. So I think people understand it with 9-11 because it's pretty, it's pretty obvious and out front. But I, I don't know if they if that automatically comes to mind when they see stuff like this. Because um, you gotta, you got to ask yourself, like, hey, so what is, the, what is the agenda? What is the reason? Why are we starting to hear about this now? When, when, when like, uh, with Harvey Weinstein, it's kind of like, oh, how is that news? The, the guy, the, oh, he's, oh, he's really, he's, he's hitting up these young women that are coming. It's like that's always been known. That's not news. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why, why now? And then, okay, so then it's like, oh, so we have that, and then there's always more, right? So then, oh, now there's this uh, famous comedian. And then, um, and so we started seeing this, like, uh, what, starting out with Cosby, starting out with, uh, you know, so this has been going on, this has been ongoing. And it's been um, in conjunction with the, you know, Trump and the elections and all this stuff. So it's like, yeah, they're, this is all being used as a springboard to, to bring about, you know, to implement these new initiatives and all this stuff. Yeah. That's what, it's, it's what I think that's uh, Absolutely. primarily about. Because it's not, oh, it's like the, uh, oh, the, 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 don't never let a good crisis go to waste. But see, the crisis don't come about coincidentally. It's like, you, you'll, you know, it's like they're, they're created. For, and then when they're so now we have this uh, oh this epidemic of sex, sexual harassment it's like oh so, so then you hear the stories like oh when did this happen back in the 90s it's like why okay why are we talking about it now again why you know yeah it's uh, for a reason that's what I'm trying to say yeah same, same reason that the mass shootings have switched over to the the you know the realm of middle America or the South or uh, the country listening, church going, gun toting American. Right. And, uh, and then what know. did we see under Obama? It was like who was under, who was, where was these shootings taking place? Is at universities, a gay club, uh, school school now it's yeah. now it's uh now, yeah a republican and now it's taking place at country <laughs> country <laughs> music shows man. and you know texas churches and uh yeah this is so obvious it's like i okay I real real quick Te texas shooting rundown sound familiar 26 people are shot by a mentally ill guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now that that massacre happened, they're going to tear the place down. Sound familiar? It does. It does sound <laughs> familiar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And then so, like, I haven't been looking at a lot of stuff that's coming out about this, but I, uh, so they have the guy and his wife, what, what, what was it? No, I think his, his, 
his daughter was murdered and two of his granddaughters. And so, you know, here it is, what, how, you know, not even a week later, he's doing interviews and he's talking about, um, you know, the whole situation and all that. And then, of course, you know, it's like, oh, you know, so, you know, what do you think about gun control? Gun control is like, and what do you think he said? It's like, it's, it's, it's going to be according to the script. You're always going to see it. You know, it's like, um, does, does this man want uh, gun control? It's like, no, he's the Texas church guy. He's in the, he's in the, he's in the gun, he's in the, you know, the Bible belt, the gun, the gun lover people. So what is he going to say, you think? He says, no, we need more guns to help protect everybody. Right, but what is the real issue? But it's not guns, it's what? It's the uh, real... It's crazy people. Exactly. I knew you, I, yeah. I knew you would get it, yeah. Because it's, so, yeah. it's so right in keeping with everything so far. It. It's not about guns. It's about mental. we got to keep the mental yeah. people from getting them. And That's it's right. Like, it's, it's, yeah. about, it's about Virginia Tech. Uh, when Bush was in office, it wasn't about the gun. Well, it was about the guns, but you see, you had to pass a law that crazy people who have PTSD can't have guns. Right. So that's part one of this episode of John Adams' Afternoon Commute. John's the battery died, so we ended the call. We're going to resume it the next night. So check out part two at hoaxbusterscall.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.